to Let's Talk About Life, a weekly podcast brought to you by Life Bank, the organ, eye, and tissue recovery agency in Northeast Ohio. Donation can be a complicated subject, but it is really all about life. So spend a few minutes as we unravel the complexities of donation. So come on, let's talk about life. When Jim Myers was 25 years old, he was diagnosed with polycystic kidney disease, also known as PKD. Jim was all too familiar with PKD since he lost five family members to it, including his father. Jim was fortunate that his disease was treatable for most of his adult life until he finally went into kidney failure and required dialysis. He endured dialysis treatments for four years until Jim received a kidney transplant in April of 2016. Hi, you're listening to episode 53 of Let's Talk About Life. I'm your host, Colleen Gerber, kidney recipient and LifeBank staff member. Going through the dialysis and transplantation experience, Jim saw a huge void when it came to advocacy for kidney patients. As an attorney with two MBAs in business and health administration, he decided to use his experience and education to become a full-time kidney advocate. He specializes in using social media to help fellow kidney patients and to raise awareness for their plights. As a result of his work, he has been recognized with many honors and awards. Jim, thank you for spending time with me today and sharing your knowledge and experience with advocacy for kidney patients. Oh, no problem, Colleen. Happy to do it. What was that like? Not only being diagnosed, but knowing that this was a family issue. Initially, I was married. I was practicing law. I was doing the things that I wanted to do with my life. And when I was initially diagnosed, it came as kind of a blow. I had lost five members of my family to polycystic kidney disease, including my dad. And with my father, I got a very close up and personal view of what it was like to be diagnosed he ended up on dialysis. He was not successful in his attempts to get a transplant, and he passed away. So this did come as kind of a blow to me when I was uh, initially diagnosed. I went along for quite some time to the age of 58 before I ended up on dialysis. I was on dialysis for four years. The thing that kind of generated my interest in kidney advocacy at some point when I was on dialysis, the federal government was threatening to cut funds to kidney dialysis centers. That would have resulted in a lack of doctors. That would have resulted in a lack of social workers. That would have resulted in cutting of nursing and tech staff. That would have resulted in a cutting of dietitians. And when I looked around the room, Many of the people that I took dialysis with, they were really sick, Colleen. They were coming in by ambulance. They were in walkers and uh, wheelchairs. Uh, some of them got wheeled in in gurneys. There were four people that passed away. As I was looking around the room, I, I was thinking to myself, well, who fights for us? Because for these politicians, this is like shooting fish in a barrel. They're going to cut the funding to dialysis centers, and there's nobody here that's well enough 
to fight back. And it finally occurred to me, you're well enough to fight back and you have the background to do it. So I started doing things like writing petitions, sending letters to my local newspapers, uh, joining organizations, getting more involved in social media. And fortunately, we were able to slow them down a little bit. So at least the cuts that came in didn't come in all at once and eventually were abandoned. So people did not lose services in such a, a drastic manner. And after dialysis, when I was transplanted at IU Health in Indianapolis, through that that whole period of time, I just continued to advocate for my fellow kidney patients. I, I just felt that there was a, a need, and uh, I became very fascinated with the prospect of being an advocate. And so to this day, I continue to do it. Did your transplant change your focus of advocacy? A little bit in this sense. I realized after my transplant that this is such a much better lifestyle for kidney patients. It's much easier on you health-wise. It's much easier on you time-wise. I mean, all I have to remember to do, Colleen, really, is take my pills twice a day and go get some blood work done every once in a while. It's not as onerous as going to dialysis every other day, being there for four hours, uh, having them poke you, having them take blood out of your body and, and return it. And then, as you know, there's always kind of a washout feeling after you're on dialysis because it not only takes away the bad stuff, but it takes away a little bit of the good stuff too. So you come out of it a little tired. So right. it did kind of change my focus to emphasize the value of transplant as a result of being transplanted and having that experience, which I'll be celebrating my fifth anniversary in April, April 27th. Wow. How appropriate during Donate Life Month. Congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you. You've become somewhat of a national, I would say, spokesperson for kidney patients. You've really honed in on one area that's fascinating to me, and that is advocacy through social media. How did that happen, and what have you found the power of social media to be? That really started to work when I was fighting this issue about cutting costs to dialysis centers. What I found out is there are a lot of kidney patients, there are a lot of physicians, there are a lot of people that are interested in kidney disease that follow social media and are interested in exchanging ideas. So. I joined a number of groups on Facebook. I opened a Twitter account. Later, I began to create my own pages for kidney patients to help them find kidney transplant. And then, of course, Instagram came along. Everybody loves Instagram because of the beautiful pictures. So, yeah, I have found in my experience that by doing that, not only do you reach people that are important in organizations, but you reach the people that need the information the most. I try to share information from the groups that I'm in during the course of the morning every day. And then in the evening, I share news stories that are related to uh, kidney issues. So I try to cover the waterfront as far as the kinds of issues that I see that have been coming up 
uh, kidneys and diabetes, for example. Uh, kidneys and mental health has been a big issue recently. Of course, coronavirus has been a very, very big issue for kidney patients. Things of that nature, I, I find, have been striking issues on social media, and people genuinely respond. I mean, I have people that want to join my groups, that want to participate in discourse, that are interested in the things that I, I write and respond well to the broadcasts that I do on social media with the Urban Health Outreach Media Network. And in general, it's, it's been very rewarding, Polly, because you do get this opportunity to find out what people at the grassroots level are interested in. And I'm finding that there are many issues that are currently overlooked. There are things that are not resolved that need to be discussed in the kidney community. And I'm happy to help people get their issues and bring them to the forefront. Let's face it, that's where many people are spending much more time these days on social media platforms. And really, that's how they're connecting to other people. Absolutely. You also have some news from a legislative side. Recently, you worked with Congress to provide medications for kidney patients. I believe what you're talking about is the immunosuppressant drug bill. And the issue there, of course, is there are some people that fall into a gap. They're not covered by Medicare yet because of their age or for whatever reason. Therefore, and after the first 36 months of their transplant, they become financially responsible for paying for immunosuppressive drugs. And this can be very, very expensive. It can run as high as $20,000, $25,000 a year for those drugs. And if you get a transplant, as you know, Colleen, from your experience, we have to take those medications every day, twice a day. If you don't take the medication, you end up losing your transplant and going back on dialysis. And the argument there of course, is that although you're spending $25,000 or so a year for immunosuppressant drugs, when you go back on dialysis, Medicare covers that 100%. And you are paying around $100,000 a year for each dialysis patient. So what they found when the Congressional Budget Office looked at it over a period of a decade, you know, you can save almost $7 million just by making sure people have their immunosuppressant drugs. So it's better to keep people on the medication and transplant it than it is to have them go back on dialysis. It's more cost efficient. It's a better lifestyle for them. And in the long run, it's healthier for all of us. The other couple of things that I probably should mention is there's a big movement as far as medication is concerned to lower the cost of prescription drugs. Many of us that have other morbidities uh, besides kidney disease. For example, if I take medicine for my psoriasis, generally speaking, they want you to take a biologic, something that changes your biology, and you do that by injection. The doctor wants you to have the best medication possible, so he prescribes the medication. The companies go through this process of R&D and trying to get it through the FDA, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they have these large costs. So these medications can be very, very expensive to the individual. So there's a movement there to try and get prescription drugs at a lower cost. 
also frequently in that area, companies are taking old established drugs and jacking the price. So that, that's why there is that movement to, to try and lower the cost of prescription drugs. Um, actually, I probably should mention is the copay accumulator issue. Sometimes with these newer medications, you can contact the, the drug company and they will give you a card that pays in part for the medication. Now, the way this is supposed to work is that the insurance company is supposed to count those payments from the card towards your deductible. And then, of course, you pay the balance. What is happening all too frequently is that the insurance company is not counting those payments from the drug company's card toward your deductible. And they put so much on the card. And when that runs out, then you're totally responsible. So you end up paying the cost of the medication and the deductible. And therefore, the insurance carrier is really getting paid twice. So there's a, there's a big movement in that area on that issue. And that's something that might be of interest to your, your listeners. If our listeners do have questions, Jim, what advice do you have? Where do they look? Do they look to national resources? Where should they look to find what's going on with these legislative issues? I would suggest the, the National Kidney Foundation and the American Association of Kidney Patients, the American Kidney Fund for that sort of thing. There are a lot of groups. Well, I have one, Kidneys and Politics, for example, that discuss these issues, kidney advocates that discuss these issues. That, you know, so there's many of us that talk about this. You can always Google certain legislation if you're interested in finding out uh, more about it. And if, if you have problems and you can't get it resolved anywhere else, you can always write your Uncle Jim. My email is kidneystories at hotmail.com kidneystories at hotmail.com. I get questions uh, all the time. I have a big footprint on Facebook. You know, send me a, a message and I am on uh, Instant Messenger connected to Facebook. Please contact me if you, you have issues that you can't resolve. I'm happy to help. And if I don't know, I'll find out. Jim, we can't thank you enough for sharing your experience and your knowledge with us. It's obvious that your health and your personal experience through donation has impacted not only your, your advocacy, but all the lives you have helped through your hard work and dedication. So thank you. Well, thank you very much for giving this opportunity to talk to you, Colleen. It's been a pleasure. We hope you found today's episode inspiring and informative. Let's Talk About Life can be found on iTunes, Google Music, Spotify, and other podcast providers. And of course, on lifebank.org. We encourage you to subscribe and invite you back next week. And come on, let's talk about life. Thank you for listening to Let's Talk About Life. If you have questions about today's podcast, reach out to us at info at lifebank.org. Take a few minutes to do something heroic and register to be an organ donor by saying yes at lifebank.org. Literally, someone's life is depending on it. <laughs>